They rigged it. And do not ever think anything differently. Okay, I won't. It was rigged. Let's have a new election. That's what President Trump says, I'm so scared right? in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Just following the leader. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck From in Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM, people-powered radio in L.A., 98.7 FM in Santa Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake, up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove, on 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 88.5 FM KAKU in Maui, in Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN 94.1 FM, in Palinville, New York, on 102.9 FM WLPP, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul, on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And that's just some of the terrestrial stations. We're also heard streaming on the intertubes on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. Thank you for joining us. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com on the, uh, actually, I think it's the 12th anniversary of bradblog.com this week. Yes, we've been at this 12 years. 12 years. Uh, kind of amazing. Uh, in any event, uh, thank you for those of us, uh, for those of you who have stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do what we have done for the past 12 years and into our 13th, whether we like it or not. Yes, this is insane. Uh, this is insane. It shows no sign of getting saner anytime soon. So, you know, uh, best we can do here is uh, is hang on. Just hang on. Keep reporting what's going on. Uh, encourage you to keep your eyes on what he's actually doing versus what he is saying, as we discussed on yesterday's program. You can download that also at bradblog.com if you missed uh, my conversation with the ACLU's Julie Ebenstein, explaining how the Trump administration said that they wouldn't do any work uh, over the weekend from Inauguration Day through the weekend until Monday. But on the very same day as the inauguration, the Trump Department of Justice got to work preparing to switch sides in the DOJ's lawsuit against the state of Texas and their racially discriminatory photo ID voting restriction. Uh, so that went on. That was something the, the, the Trump administration understood was important, important enough that they could lie to America, say, oh, we're not doing anything today. But they damn well knew. Uh, that now was their chance. Now is their chance to get in there and begin to turn America's election laws, America's voting laws upside down in their favor. They know that. Do Democrats know that? Do progressives know that? 
Uh, and by the way, it was confirmed by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, the most conservative court in the land, that, yes, Texas's photo ID restriction law was, in fact, racially discriminatory. Uh, we're going to talk a, a lot more about uh, that and related things today, uh, given what Donald Trump had to say today, at least this morning. He's also, you know, said about another dozen things since then. But we're going to try to stick uh, to, to one point that he made this morning in a second, uh, because there is just this nonstop fire hose of news that's that's coming at all of us. And, and I'm trying to do my best to keep my eyes on what matters and what you need to know as citizens and voters. But it is not easy. Uh, I, to be honest, I have no idea how to cover what's going on. So just doing my best. And uh, and I thank you for your help and support in that. I, I will say this, though, uh, before we get started um, in full, uh, you know, in some strange way, I, I've actually been feeling a little bit better since since Inauguration Day, since it's uh, and, and of course, since the Women's March over the weekend, huge Women's March all over the country, all over the world. And since then and since Trump's behavior has just gotten kind of crazier and crazier by the hour. Um, and it's become more and more obvious, at least at least to the media and the public, who I think is are finally beginning to figure this out. They're finally beginning to figure out that Donald Trump is a wildly disturbed person. And I realize that's kind of ironic that that's making me feel better, uh, but it is making me feel better because it's becoming more and more obvious. It's no longer just me who was, you know, screaming out throughout the, uh, you know, the year, uh, year and a half lead up to the election saying, no, this guy, take him seriously. Take him seriously because Republican voters take him seriously. And Democrats didn't take him seriously. The media didn't take him seriously. Uh, well, now they have no choice but to take him seriously. And when they give him a serious look, look what happens. The man falls apart and he becomes more and more disturbed by the minute. But the media seem to be noticing. And somehow that makes me feel better, uh, which is bizarre. I will say it goes back and forth, but uh, and I'll get to some of the reasons why it goes back and forth in, in a little bit here. But uh, are, hey, are you how are you feeling? You feeling better? You feeling worse? I want to try to get to some calls and see how you are feeling uh, about all of this since Inauguration Day. If that's changed any of the way you feel about what the hell is going on in our country. Our phone number is 818 985 5735-818-985-KPFK as we are live today uh, for our Southern California listeners in the uh, KPFK studios here in lovely North Hollywood. Uh, before uh, we get to those calls, though, in a bit, uh, the, uh, the Trump administration uh, is now telling the EPA reportedly to cut the climate page from its website. Uh, Desi Doyen, I know you've been following this story. Uh, kind of amazing. Oh well, it's yeah. it's kind of amazing. Like all of this stuff is kind of amazing. It's been it was it was reported as a gag order across the Environmental Protection Agency. Mm -hmm. Huffington Post obtained internal emails that were telling employees, "Hey, we need to basically shut down all of our public communications. No press releases. No interviews. Every media interview must be." Must must be examined first before it will be accepted. Um, there's also been a freeze that has been put onto the EPA's grants and contracts. Those are contracts and grants that that help to uh, 
provide for toxic cleanups uh, that do core operations of the Environmental Protection Agency, you know, water testing, water upgrades, things like that. That's all been frozen. However, on the gag order for the Environmental Protection Agency, it sounds like now they've backtracked a little because well, of the public outcry. Because of the public pressure. And that's yeah. why I want to, br- to bring this to the to the fore here, because a lot of people were freaking out about the about the White House website page right. that, uh, you know, they say, oh, they've taken down all of uh, Obama's, uh, you know, the White House, uh, Obama White House climate pages from the website. Well, yeah, they did, but they also took down everything. They started over with a clean slate. They moved uh, the Obama White House web pages over to the National Archives, and they started fresh, just like, frankly, Barack Obama did when he right. came to power. But this is different. This is a very different thing uh, where we're seeing these reports now. Uh, originally, I think this started with Reuters. Uh, two agency employ- uh, employees uh, at the EPA told Reuters uh, that, uh, well, they were notified by officials on Tuesday that the administration had instructed EPA's communications team to remove the website's climate change page, which contains links to scientific global warming research and data on emissions and so forth. At the, uh, at the time, the sources uh, who, who would, uh, would not be named because they were not authorized to speak to the media, as no one, nobody is at this right. point and at the EPA. And they also fear retaliation as of well. Of course. Uh, they said that the uh, page could go down as early as today. If the website goes dark, years of work we have done on climate change will disappear, one of the EPA staffers told Reuters. Uh, the order comes as the Trump administration has curbed the flow of information from a number of government agencies who oversee environmental issues since last week. Uh, and this Reuters reports reinforced concerns that Trump, a climate change doubter, they call him a doubter, Desi Doyen. I know. It's, stu- it's, it's really dumb to call him a doubter. He's a denier. He's Flat a climate out. science denier. Exactly. If he didn't deny the science, he would be taking action on the science instead of trying to hide the science. Uh, this could uh, this uh, move would seek to sideline scientific research showing that carbon dioxide emissions from burning fossil fuels is responsible for global warming. Uh, and uh, it would also uh, sideline much of the research and the uh, and the careers, the career staffers uh, who put this stuff together. Uh, they're there, as you say, Desi, they are very concerned. The page includes links to the EPA's inventory of greenhouse gas emissions, um, which contains emissions data from individual industrial facilities. Right. I see why they'd want to get rid of that. Yes. Uh, and uh, also the multi-agency climate change indicators report, which uh, which describes uh, trends related to the causes and effects of climate change. Right. Now, of inside EPA, that's an industry website, yeah. they are saying that the Trump team has uh, agreed to stand down, as they put it, on the order to remove that climate change site. So that's good news. For but now. There, but there's a point to that, that, that you know, they may have gone way over in, in overreaching on this because there's a 2008 law that requires the EPA to post most of this uh, yep. information on the website. Exactly. And that that was uh, that was one of the reasons they're they're now taking a look. I think this uh, statement uh, 
that the Hill got uh, said from the EPA, the uh, Doug Erickson, he's the spokesman for the transition, the Trump transition team at the EPA, uh, who says. Uh, he pushed back, as The Hill reported it. Uh, the, the original report had said the, the team had already instructed the officials at the EPA to remove the climate change-related content. But Erickson said, we're looking at scrubbing it up a bit, putting a little freshener on it and getting it back up to the public, according to Erickson. Uh, he's a Republican state lawmaker. They're going to just scrub it up a bit, Des. Beware Republican scrubbing. Uh, the the news, uh, and as a matter of fact, on the, this the 13th or 12th anniversary of, of Bradblog, one of our biggest stories was when the Bush White House removed stuff from... Uh, from the Bush White House webpage in violation of the National Records Act. I think we were back in 2004 or 2005 we reported this. It was a huge story at the time. All of a sudden, the media started paying attention to what the Bush administration was doing. They were disappearing information regarding the Iraq war. And then, as it turns out, I discovered a whole bunch more that they had been removing from that website. Uh, Now, we're told that the White House website is intact and that removing material from that would be a violation of the uh, the, the, the Presidential Records Act that was put in place after uh, Richard Nixon. But this agency material, the, the material at the federal agencies, that's a different story. Uh, and so it's unclear what can and can't be removed. The uh, Trump transition guy at the EPA uh, said that uh, actually said that they they had canceled plans, as you said, as to take down the climate content. So they had been set to do this. It looks like. Oh yeah. Uh, but the the general counsel now at the EPA is, as he puts it, simply looking at any legal constraints regarding where people do business on the web page. Uh, for example, uh, links about uh, how to obtain permits and so forth. That can't come down. But the rest we will see. Um, I've got a reaction here from uh, the Sierra Club's executive director, Michael Bruhn, who said that uh, this is uh, the EPA and the scientific information there is vital to health and safety of our communities. It is not a political toy for the fossil fuel industry hacks who have invaded the agency to play with. This purge by the Trump administration leads down an extremely dangerous and dark path and must stop now. According to the statement from uh, Sierra Club's executive director, Michael Brune. So we will be keeping our eyes on that as best we can as that material continues to disappear as the Trump (laughs) as the Trump administration locks down federal agencies from communicating with the public, from tweeting uh, from from doing a lot of things uh, that uh, would seem to be counter to the things that Republicans have pretended to give a damn about, the transparency they've pretended to give a damn about over the past eight years while they were, you know, just had a sad because Barack Obama was in power. Uh, now they, they have no such sad. And uh, they're going to take a lot of actions that are going to be very, very troubling. And public pressure and the media reporting on this stuff is becoming more and more important. So what did uh, Donald Trump say today uh, that uh, basically changed what we had planned to cover on today's show? And it's not just because he said this, but it's it's what they plan to do. Let me start here uh, with this guy named Stephen. 
Stephen, uh, as the uh, Guardian reports, uh, had registered to vote in New York, uh, New York City, shortly before the presidential election last year, after he had been previously registered to vote at a vacant house in Florida where his ex-wife had once lived. Stephen whose registration now lists a rented apartment in Manhattan as his address, cast his ballot for, uh, for Donald Trump in New York last November. However, Stephen uh, also remains registered to vote in Florida, according to state records. His registration lists as his address the home of a friend, a friend who has worked on some, uh, on some political documentary films with Stephen. His registration in Florida was moved to his friend's home uh, shortly after a a report also in The Guardian last August uh, showing that, uh, well, Stephen had never cast a ballot at all in Florida, according to state records. But once it was discovered that his registration was at his his ex-wife's vacant house, he moved it. He moved the registration to his friend's house. His friend, who was also registered to vote at that home, at that same home with his adult sons, uh, declined at the time to answer questions on whether Stephen actually lived at that property in Florida. That is required under the registration rules of the Florida Division of Elections. Now, all of this comes about, this report in in The Guardian about this guy, Stephen, who is registered both uh, in Florida and in New York, comes about uh, on the same day that Donald Trump took to to Twitter this morning and said, uh, quote, I will be asking for a major investigation into voter fraud, including those registered to vote in two states, two states like Stephen, those who are illegal And even those registered to vote who are dead and many for a long time, depending on results, we will strengthen up voting procedures. Donald Trump wrote this morning on Twitter. Trump's statement followed the White House uh, confirming on Tuesday that uh, the president continues to believe the debunked conspiracy theory that millions of people vote illegally in the U.S. in U.S. elections. Trump has repeatedly blamed this fiction and I love that The Guardian calls it fiction because it is. Uh, he's blamed this fiction for his loss of the national popular vote to Hillary Clinton, to whom he lost by almost three million votes. The Guardian points out that it is not in and of itself illegal to be registered to vote in two separate states. It would be illegal, however, to cast ballots in two separate states. Many states uh, have their own laws about who qualifies to register to vote in their elections based on how long the person has actually lived there, has residence there, and so forth. Um, A spokeswoman for Stephen, who is actually Donald Trump's top White House political advisor, Steve Bannon, did not immediately respond to a request for comment about being registered in two different states. As President Donald Trump decried this morning on Twitter as voter fraud. So, yes... Yes, Donald Trump wishes to target people who are registered in two states. And if he does, he could start with his own top political advisor in the White House, who even though he he didn't violate the law by voting twice, he may have violated Florida law. And uh, he certainly appears to have violated Trump's two registrations in two different states law that he he made up on Twitter today. Since uh, Since the Tuesday report... Um, 
uh, about, actually it was Wednesday report in The Guardian uh, about Stephen, Stephen Bannon, Trump's top political reporter, having two separate uh, registrations at the same time. Since then, the supervisor of elections for Sarasota County, Florida, has said that Bannon was removed from the voting rolls on Wednesday after his office received confirmation from the city of New York that Bannon was, yes, in fact, also registered to vote there as well. But, of course, Steve Bannon's story is quite familiar. Millions of Americans, in fact, move each year and they re-register to vote in their new state without notifying the voting officials in their old state that they have done for that they have done so. So that's not uh, very unusual. So Steve Bannon's story is is quite uh, quite familiar. Happens all the time. Take this other guy, this other guy named Steve. Another guy named Steve, uh, Donald Trump's nominee to head the Treasury Department, Stephen Mnuchin. He as it turns out, is registered to vote in two states. According to CNN this morning, a review of paperwork obtained through an open records request in New York and California shows that Mnuchin is registered in both places. His New York state voter registration lists an an address on Park Avenue, a home that he previously occupied and he still owns. That New York registration is still active. Records show that he last voted at that address in 2008. Mnuchin's voter registration is also listed as active at his Bel Air home out here in the state of California. Records obtained through an open records request there show that he voted at that address in the state's Republican primary last year. So he voted in New York in 2008. He voted out here in California in uh, in 2016. An L.A. County election official has told CNN that registration records have yet to be updated to show voting records for November's general election. A spokesperson for Mnuchin did not return a comment, uh, a request for comment to CNN. So we don't know. But right there, right there is uh, Donald Trump has found Two people, two of his top appointees, two guys, both named Stephen, who, at least according to Trump's tweet, uh, committed what he describes as voter fraud. Now, this whole thing began on Monday when Trump met with congressional leaders at the White House. He went on and on about his huge uh, inauguration crowd which wasn't huge at all. It was actually tiny compared to both Barack Obama's uh, inauguration and to the Women's March in D.C. on Saturday, which drew about three times as many people, according to the best independently verifiable evidence. So he, excuse me, so he went on and on about that, and then he reiterated to congressional uh, leaders that he was meeting with Uh, The same thing he had tweeted about a month or two back, that he would have won the popular vote, which he actually lost by three million votes. But for the three to five million illegal votes that were cast in the election, three to five million illegal votes, a claim for which there is absolutely zero proof, zero evidence. Even The New York Times, The New York Times used the word lie. The actual word lie in a headline on uh, on Tuesday to describe Trump's claim about three to five million illegal votes. And the New York Times never does that. White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer was then asked about the bogus claims over and over again on Tuesday at his press briefing. Here's a little bit of that. And what evidence do you have of widespread voter fraud in this election, if that's the case? 
The president does believe that. He has stated that before. I think he stated his concerns of voter fraud and, and people voting illegally during the campaign. And he continues to maintain that belief based on studies and evidence that people have presented to him. And what evidence do you have? I, I, as I said, I think the president has believed that for a while based on studies and information he has. But I think Thanks, it's Sean. worth clarifying whether illegal ballots or illegal immigrants. And I, I think there's been studies. There's one that came out of Pew in 2008 that showed 14 percent of, of people who have voted were non-citizens. There's other studies that have been presented to him. It's a belief he maintains. I don't. I mean, and look, we'll work. I'm asking you, why not investigate something well, that well, is, a, maybe is a, we will. the biggest scandal in American electoral history? Three to five million people voting illegally. I, and I think we. I, we'll see where we go from here. If, but if he does believe that, what does that mean for democracy? It means sure. that yeah, I've answered your question. Have you? No, I. I I think at some point, look, I, I was asked a question. There is no investigation. It's a, it's a, I said it was possible. Anything is possible. It was a hypothetical question. My so there was, uh, so there was no, uh, no investigation yesterday when uh, White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer was asked about the Monday comments by Trump. And now today, Wednesday, Donald Trump goes on Twitter and says, I will be asking for a major investigation into voter fraud. Now, it's not just the New York Times who called out the lie by name. The New York Post did it. One of Trump's House organs, Rupert Murdoch's own uh, New York Post. The headline, Donald Trump calls for major investigation into bogus voter fraud claims. President Trump on Wednesday called for a major probe into rampant voter fraud, a debunked claim that he has insisted cost him the popular vote in the 2016 election. The call for the investigation comes two days after Trump repeated the unsubstantiated voter fraud claim, griping to lawmakers that three to five million illegal votes were cast for Hillary Clinton. Neither Trump nor his spokesperson uh, spokesman have provided any evidence to back up the claim. Zero. But now you, you heard uh, Sean Spicer there talk about and, and I'll talk about why they're doing this. Well, you know why they're doing this. You know why they're, they're doing this in order to make it harder Harder for Americans to vote, to put in national photo ID voting restrictions if they can. The type that have been found to be unconstitutional and racially discriminatory in state after state after state where Republicans have put this in place. So you know why they're doing this. And I hate the fact that I even had to continue to talk about it. But there that is why we talk about this issue so much on this show. Because no matter what you think about Donald Trump, it will take some of your calls on that, I hope, in a little bit. No matter what you think about Donald Trump, if you want to get him out of office, if you want to get the Republicans who support him out of office, if you want to get the Democrats uh, who are supporting a lot of his nominees, if you want to get them out of office, the only way you can do it is if you are allowed to vote. And as soon as they start restricting who gets to vote in the same way, they are restricting what the EPA and other federal agencies get to tell the public, then that whole bet is off. That whole democracy idea, which is already, uh, you know, on very rickety legs at this point, at that point, uh, democracy is gone. And, you know, every year, every election year, I start hearing from people just before the election with their concerns. You don't wait till the election. Now is the time. 
to talk about this stuff. Now is the time to be vigilant about this stuff. Now is the time to rebut their lies and nonsense. Uh, AP uh, notes, as we have uh, for the past several months, while very few were paying attention, that Donald Trump's own attorney dismissed claims of voter fraud uh, in his legal filings, uh, in the, in response to uh, Green Party candidate Jill Stein's demand for a recount in Michigan late last year, Donald Trump's own attorney uh, wrote in in that uh, in that brief, all available evidence, all available evidence suggests that the 2016 general election was not tainted by fraud or mistake. Now, whether it actually was or wasn't, we don't know. They didn't allow us to count the ballots in Michigan or in Wisconsin or in North Carolina. But as far as Donald Trump's own legal team is concerned, there was no fraud in the 2016 election. Someone ought to tell Donald Trump. Secretaries of state across the country are also dismissing Trump's voter fraud claims as baseless. The National Association of Secretaries of State, which includes many Republicans, took issue with Trump's claim Uh, in a statement. They said we are not aware of any evidence that supports the voter fraud claims made by President Trump. And yet uh, you heard Sean Spicer. Uh, That was on Tuesday. And once again, on Wednesday, uh, he repeated the concern. The president stated his concern of voter fraud and people voting illegally during the campaign and continues to maintain that belief based on studies and evidence people have brought to him. Well, what are those studies? Because they're not telling us. He Spicer sort of referred to something from from Pew in 2008. AP did a fact check on 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 some of this. We have been fact checking others, other pieces of this. So he referred to Pew in 2008, showing 14 uh, percent of people who voted were non-citizens. Well, the fact is Spicer has uh, mixed up a few different studies. The president spokesman doesn't actually know what he's talking about or what the president is talking about. And uh, he misrepresented the conclusions of those studies. The Pew study, which was actually released in 2012, it was based in part on some results from 2008, was about outdated or otherwise inaccurate voter registration records. It was not about votes illicitly cast by non-citizens. It was about, uh, you know, stuff like those two Steves with the uh, Donald Trump administration who are registered in two separate states doesn't mean they voted in both states, but it means they're registered in both states. David Becker, I think we've had him on the show years ago, if I recall, uh, he, he was an author of, of the uh, of the Pew study. He said that his report never found fraud. The issue of non-citizen voting uh, actually was examined in a 2014 study, however, by two Old Dominion University professors who wrote about their findings in The Washington Post. But that 2014 study by Jesse Richman and David Ernst uh, it found more than 14 percent, 14 percent of self-identified non-citizens in 2008 and 2010 indicated they were registered to vote, not that they actually voted. And note, they were self-identified as non-citizens. And that study, after it was published in The Washington Post, 
became clear that it had even bigger problems. The study was designed by a guy by the name of Brian Schaffner uh, at the Cooperative Congressional Election Study at Harvard. Schaffner is now a political scientist at the University of Massachusetts, told CNN that his study on voter fraud that is apparently being cited by the White House did not support the president's conclusions. He said that he and his colleagues actually spoke with those voters who had self-identified themselves as non-citizens. In the study, it was a tiny sample, a tiny portion of the respondents, but someone extrapolated it out to say, oh, there would be two or three or four million illegal voters if this study is true. But the uh, the guy who designed the study talked to those people who had identified themselves as non-citizens and discovered that they had all, every one of them, mistakenly clicked the wrong radio button during the survey and that they were all actually citizens. Schaffner said it's very frustrating, as as I'm sure you can imagine. The data certainly do not show that. Of the people who we were uh, sure were non-citizens, we could not find any who actually cast a vote. He called the administration's claims absurd, not even plausible. He said there is no evidence for that whatsoever. This is a very dangerous thing. You're calling into question the validity of American elections using data that is clearly false. And of course, That goes along with study after study after study finding the same thing. There may be illegal voting out there. There may be, uh, it usually happens uh, via absentee ballot, vote by mail, by the way. But as far as people showing up and and, and, and voting illegally, declaring they're someone else that they are not, that never happens or rarely happens, unbelievably rarely. Brennan Center's study on the truth about voter fraud uh, found that uh, fraud rates were somewhere between 0.00004% and 0.0009%. And yet, that's what Donald Trump is doing, calling for a major investigation into what would be the greatest election scandal in this nation if there was even a million voters who cast illegal votes in the 2016 election. So, uh, you know what, let me take, I know I'm running long, so let me take a quick break. I'll come back with some more of this and we will get to your calls at 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman. Yeah, I know, I'm running late. This is the Bradcast. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. Progressive media outlets have been under attack for years, even during supposedly progressive administrations. We are now facing a whole new world and real alternatives to the mainstream corporate media. You know, the folks who got it all wrong from the jump must be able to continue the fight for all of us. This is not a drill. It never was. Please consider a donation to our work here on the Bradcast by stopping by bradblog.com donate to help out however you can. A monthly pledge is greatly appreciated, but anything you can share will keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. 
Welcome back. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. You can tweet me as well if you like. I am the Brad Blog. I'll try to keep my eyes on the Twitters as best I can, and we'll get to some of your calls momentarily at 818-985-5735. The uh, Democrats uh, are actually taking some action in response that I'm happy to see, taking some action in response to Donald Trump's claim uh, and announcement that he's going to have a major investigation into voter fraud. Uh, Congressman Elijah Cummings, the ranking member of the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform. Congressman Robert Brady, ranking member of the Committee on House Administrations, which actually oversees uh, elections in Congress. And Assistant Democratic Leader James Clyburn are sending letters to uh, the 102 chief election officials and attorneys general in all 50 states and the District of Columbia requesting all cases in which their offices have determined that an individual who cast a vote in the November election was prohibited from doing so. Congressman Cummings uh, said in this uh, press release, along with the letter that he's sending to these uh, chief election officials in each state, President Trump wants a major investigation of voter fraud. He continues to be obsessed with false numbers and statistics, but these are not alternative facts and there is no evidence to support these claims. What is a fact is that Republicans in state houses across America have passed restrictive laws that impair the ability of legitimate voters to participate, and they use the myth of voter fraud to justify their abuses. We should be expanding the ability of legitimate voters to exercise their rights, not degrading them, said Congressman Cummings. Congressman Brady said, uh, called uh, Trump's claims outrageous. That uh, claiming that millions of people have voted illegally, he says it's an unconscionably dangerous to the future of our democracy. He has no proof for his assertions, but eligible voters all across the country will suffer as a result. His comments denigrate the memory of those who fought and died to secure the franchise for future generations. The letter the uh, uh, Congress members sent uh, requests uh, is one from one of the letters. We request uh, that you provide a list of all specific cases in which either you or your office has determined that an individual who has cast a vote in the federal elections held in November 2016 was legally prohibited from doing so. They ask for specifics like the identity of the official who cast the illegal vote, the date when it took place, and so on and so forth. The League of Women Voters blasted the League of Women Voters, the nonpartisan League of Women Voters blasted Trump's statement uh, saying uh, calling for a major investigation into voter fraud in an election that he won. We know that widespread voter fraud is a myth perpetuated to push election laws that restrict voting. We cannot allow false claims to drive policies that will limit participation in our election process, according to uh, a statement uh, I received from Chris Carson, the League of Women Voters president. And, of course, uh, the, the same thing is uh, being said in court after court after court. Not just by Democrats, not by just uh, voting rights, but actual, you know, uh, conservative uh, courts. 
The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, the most conservative right-wing court in the nation, in their opinion, finding that Texas's strict photo ID law was racially, racially discriminatory. They noted that there were, quote, only two convictions for in-person voter, fraud, voter impersonation fraud out of 20 million votes cast in the past decade. That was the right-wing Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. In North Carolina... Uh, in striking down that state's restrictive election law, which included a photo ID uh, f- uh, voting restriction, they found that that court found uh, the Fourth Circuit Court found that uh, law to be purposely racially discriminatory and that it failed to I- identify even a single individual who has ever been charged with committing in-person voter fraud in North Carolina. Mind you, this was after trials on these issues, after evidence and witnesses and so forth were brought forth. A federal court in Wisconsin reviewed that state's strict photo ID law and found that uh, impersonation fraud, the type of fraud that voter ID is designed to prevent, is extremely rare. It's a truly isolated phenomenon that has not posed a significant threat to integrity of Wisconsin's elections. And, of course, even the U.S. Supreme Court, in its opinion, in uh, in the Crawford case back in 2008, which upheld uh, Indiana's version of uh, of a photo, photo ID law, noted Uh, In that case, that the record contained no evidence of in-person voter impersonation fraud actually occurring in Indiana in any time in its history. Yet that's what Trump's doing. That's what Trump's hoping for. That's what his uh, Department of Justice is hoping for. That's why they went to work on Inauguration Day when they said everyone was going to. We're not doing any work until Monday. The Department of Justice filed a brief in Texas saying, hang on. This case that you're that that you're hearing, uh, you know, f- f- finding uh, uh, discriminatory, racially discriminatory intent when the law in Texas was passed to bar people without a few of the limited types of photo IDs. That law, stop, hold. We don't want to have that hearing right away. Give us some time, most likely because they're going to change their change their positions. The DOJ had been uh, opposing those laws. And as uh, Julie Ebenstein of the ACLU told us yesterday, they are going to continue on no matter if the DOJ switches sides in these cases. The ACLU and others, the other uh, private plaintiffs are going to uh, are going to switch uh, are going to uh, remain on those cases and remain fighting for you and I and democracy and the right to throw the bums out. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. All right, let me let me get to a few calls here. I know. Yeah, I could go on and on all day. I could go on and on for the last 12 years about this. Brenda in L.A., welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind, Brenda? wondering if there's any research or data on voter suppression. Uh, oh, well, yeah. I mean, some of the uh, re- there's a lot of research and data on it. Uh, we don't have uh, enough research and data yet on this past election in 2016. And one of the insidious things about these photo ID laws is that it's pretty much impossible to know how many people were suppressed by them? Because people uh, who, who don't have the ID uh, that is required don't bother to show up at all, or people who think they don't have the right type of ID don't bother to show up at all. But yeah, th- there is information out there about voter suppression, and we a lot of times we get it during these court cases. For example, 
some 600,000 Texas voters, uh, the court found in, in Texas, do not have. And these are legally already registered voters. 600,000 legally registered voters don't have the type of photo ID that would be required to vote under the Texas law. The number is something like 300,000 up in Wisconsin. Uh, does that give, give you some idea? Yeah, I was just wondering how voter suppression might have affected this election, given that they're yeah. saying that not much fraud might have been involved. But it sounds like there might have been other ways in which the election might have been manipulated, and suppression being one of them. Yep, absolutely. And uh, and those studies, I know, are ongoing, because I've spoken to some of the people doing the studies, but we don't yet uh, have the data. We have uh, anecdotal data of you know people who were unable to vote, who were turned away at the polling place. Uh, who should have been allowed to vote but were not told they could use a provisional ballot and so on and so forth. But, yeah, we don't have those hard numbers yet, Brenda. Thanks for uh, thanks for the call. I do appreciate it. 818-985-5735. Let's go to uh, Sherry in Alisa Viejo. Hey, Sherry, welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, hi. Um, hi. Yeah, I think you pretty much covered my uh, question, but I was going to say since... Uh, uh, voter fraud uh, comes with a five-year sentence, and I don't know if it's a misdemeanor or a felony, but... It's a felony. Felony. Why don't we have Trump provide us with, like, ten names of people who are in prison from voter fraud? Yep. Uh, and the other thing, uh, I just wonder why the Democrats aren't fighting the voter suppression well, yeah, I wonder that, too. I mean, uh, the Department of Justice was doing a decent job of that after 2013, after the uh, Voting Rights Act was gutted by the U.S. Supreme Court. But they have never taken this as seriously as they should. Uh, you know, in, in 2004, John Conyers took it seriously uh, when I broke a, a major story at the time about the uh, the, the uh, Republican, the, the George W. Bush campaign officials who had started up a... Uh, a, a, a a vote, what they called a voting rights group. It was not a voting rights group. It was an anti-voting rights group. And they were the only ones called to testify at the only hearing on the 2004 election. The only voting rights group called was a fake voting rights group that was run by the, the attorney who ran George W. Bush's 2004 campaign. He pretended to be a nonpartisan voting rights activist. And when I outed all of that, uh, John Conyers uh, was, was ticked off. He paid attention. But getting the rest of the party, getting the rest of the elected officials, they have been slow in understanding what they are up against. And that's why I talk about it. That's why you need to raise hope. Holy hell, you need to know what's going on. You need to know what the facts are so you can hold, yes, hold the Democrats accountable uh, for for throwing their bodies on the on the, on the wheels, on the gears uh, to stop what is continuing to go on across the country. Thanks for that call, Sherry. Uh, let me let me do this. I got to get to a quick break. I know a lot of other folks want to get in. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. How you doing? You feeling any better <laughs> since election, uh, since inauguration day? All right, quick break, and we're back with more. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Don't go away.
Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Everybody's talking, no one says a word. Everybody's making love, and no one really cares. There's Natchez in the bathroom, just below the stairs. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yeah, nobody told me there'd be days like this. You know, uh, it, it, it's it's kind of amusing. It's kind of funny how uh, Trump, in one sense, is melting down. It's kind of uh, terrifying on the other hand, particularly when you get reports like this uh, that came in today from NBC News. North Korea is ready to test fire an intercontinental ballistic missile at any time, quote, at any time, at any place, according to a senior regime official who spoke exclusively to NBC. If such a launch was successfully carried out, it would be a major step towards Pyongyang's goal of targeting the U.S. mainland with a nuclear armed weapon. The comments were made on the record by Cho Kong Il. Deputy Director General for North American Affairs at North Korea's Foreign Ministry. Cho rejected the suggestion that any test launch would be provocative. Our measures to bolster our nuclear arsenal are all in all are all defensive in nature, he said, to defend our sovereignty and to cope with the persistent nuclear blackmail and threats by the U.S. against our country. The country uh, regularly threatens nuclear attack against the U.S., but until 2016, analysts had thought the country was a long way from developing missile technology that would make them capable of doing so. But now North Korea uh, has uh, repeatedly threatened to test fire an an intercontinental, an ICBM, intercontinental ballistic missile, since uh, since its leader Kim said in uh, in his New Year's message that the country's preparation for such a test were at an advanced stage. In January, in response to that, Donald Trump tweeted, North Korea has just stated it is in its final stages of developing nuclear weapon capabilities uh, that could reach parts of the U.S. It won't happen, says Trump. Asked about that statement, Cho said, yeah, it's a uh, provocation. That's how they see it. And now there's been stories uh, lately of, of Donald Trump and uh, how he is uh, depressed, enraged, how his administration, uh, uh, his top advisors are treating him like a child in the White House. Um, and that's kind of amusing, I guess. That's kind of funny until you think that, oh, he's the guy who's going to have to respond to North Korea. Really? The guy who his his aides are trying to keep him from watching television because he gets so enraged that he's got to go out on Twitter uh, and and lash back and say something stupid. So I don't know. I don't know if I feel better uh, hearing about all of that or if uh, I should be more alarmed. Let's go to uh, Jake in uh, in Orange County. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Uh, hey, Jake, welcome to the broadcast. 
Hey, Brad. Um, I was just calling regarding the voter suppression. Um, I mean, you make these claims that based off his, his Twitter that that he's uh, for all these policies that the GOP platform is, but basically he's pretty much an independent even though he's under the Republican Party. I mean, how are you How are you claiming that he never said one thing about voter IDs or wanting that or approving any policies if they were to pass Congress? Oh, well, he has, he has cited uh, Chris Kobach. Uh, Chris Kobach worked on his campaign, worked with him. He has met with him. Chris Kobach is the Secretary of State of, uh, of, uh, of Kansas. Uh, who has said who ran on the idea of massive voter fraud in the state of Kansas and has been able to come up with all of something like four convictions for voter fraud. All of them. Uh, hang on. I'll, I'll give you a chance, uh, Jake. All of them so far, Republicans, white uh, and uh, having and, and for having uh, voted or been uh, registered in two separate states. He's come up with zero cases of people actually committing voter impersonation fraud, the type that uh, the type that Chris Kobach would like to institute. So, yeah, Jake, what? Well, would you agree then? What he's doing is actually good. He's doing what American praises is questioning your government, even if he's inside of it. I mean, I think it's good that he's doing this and he's open. He's, he, but he, no, he's not. But he's not, Jake. He said that the uh, the, the election was going to be fricked, fixed. It was going to be it was going to be rigged. And then when they had the chance to actually count the votes and found out find out if Donald Trump actually won or lost the election, his attorneys spent hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to keep anyone from counting any ballots in those states that gave him the election. Isn't that alarming, Jake? What's he What's he concerned about? Why wouldn't he want Americans to know how Americans actually voted in the presidential election? All right. Well, I agree with you with that. Just I would say though that the conversation of questioning your government is a good thing, regardless of what his intentions are, and that he is doing. He's not questioning the government. He's questioning the voters, Jake. And there's the difference. But I appreciate your I appreciate your thoughts on it. Uh, let's go to uh, Noah in L.A. Hey, Noah. Welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. How you doing? Um, I've, um okay. <laughs> I've been yeah, better. I, I pretty much feel the same way. Yeah. Um, I've learned to not ask anybody how they're doing anymore because the answer does not uh, it does not usually go well. Anyway, yeah, what's on your mind, Noah? <laughs> yeah, um, uh, so uh, I was curious to know your thoughts on um, uh, on, on how Congress, uh, uh, women and men, have been responding to uh, some of the, some of these things that, that that Trump has been alleging um, uh, about 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 the voting uh, in the election. Uh, I, I think back to. Um, you know, November, when, when the results first came out and in the immediate aftermath, you know, everyone was saying about the Democrats how, you know, the fiery populism of Trump sort of beat out the, the tired establishment politics that the Democratic Party had ran on for so many years, right? Mm-hmm. And, and now that Trump is, is, is promulgating these, I mean, ridiculous claims, I mean, they, they are, mm-hmm. they're absolutely ridiculous. And so uh, they, they use words like outrageous and things like that. But wh- why not? Why not? Call him a liar. I mean, I, 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 like, why not you? Why not say these well, things in, in well, no one's? Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, political comedy being what it is. Uh, they they don't tend to call each other liars. I think, as a matter of fact, it's a violation of of congressional 
uh, rules to call each other liars may be a, a, a violation of co- congressional rules in both the House and Senate to call the president out and out a liar. But, uh, you know, never mind what they called him, call him, never mind the names they use. I mean, the people in the media, New York Times, in fact, use the word lie in a headline about this claim. So that's good to see. But it's not, again, even, with, with the... Uh, with the Congress members, it's like with Donald Trump. Don't pay attention to what they say. Pay attention to what they do. And one of the things right. that they have been doing is voting to support Donald Trump's nominees. Now, in some right. of those it's cases, really frustrating. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious. You know, I mean, you yourself, as as a member of this of this community of of the press, who you know ought you know ought to be, and and many you know good journalists are investigating all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where where Congress where Congress can't out and out call you know, the president a liar uh, when he makes these claims, does that responsibility then fall to the, pre- to the press? I mean, folks like when, when Chuck Todd was interviewing, you know, Kellyanne Conway and mm-hmm. she said that mm-hmm. alternative fact line, um, you know, he, he used the words falsehoods, which I thought was admirable. I mean, I think. Well, and, and he was actually good. And, and Nick, I got a lot of pe- people that I got to get to here, but actually uh, Chuck Todd, I don't normally uh, give him uh, credit, but he was actually good when he said alternative facts are still not facts. Uh, I think is the word that he used. So he was good. The media is coming around. You need to hold them accountable, hold the media accountable, but most directly hold your elected officials accountable. That's why we do what we do. Because my job, and, and I don't think this is the job uh, as, as the corporate media see themselves, but my job is to inform the electorate. I believe that's what all of us in the media, that sh- that's what all of our jobs are. That's why we have constitutional dispensation that no other industry has. We have freedom of the press. Uh, and therefore, with that, I believe the responsibility is to use it to educate the electorate, not to get more clicks, not to have more traffic. That's what the corporate media does, um, but uh, to educate the electorate so that they can go and hold their elected officials accountable. That's your job. That's now up to you. And we need you to start doing it. We need everyone to start doing it, including holding those Democrats accountable. Chuck Schumer has voted, I think, for pretty much every uh, nominee that has so far come up for a vote uh, in the uh, in the Senate. Hold them accountable. Do to those officials what the Tea Party did to the Republican officials that they weren't happy with. Um, uh, Noah, I got to jump out here. I got to get to a couple more before we get to the top of the hour. I appreciate the call, Noah. Thanks. Man, uh, yeah, I know. We got a lot of people who want to get through. Ellen, welcome to the broadcast. Hi. Listen, the day after the inauguration, I got in the mail this Trump agenda survey. It says it's a registered document. It was in my mailbox. And um, it is really appalling. It outlines this agenda, but it's sent to a, a people who clearly don't have a lot uh, of questioning as to what this is all about. But the agenda is appalling. It says, are you in favor of repealing Obama and replace health care, replacing it with market-based solutions? And it says yes or no. Yeah, that's a scam. Don't don't send it back in. It's oh, meant to... Oh, no. No, but it's it sent yeah. out and they want the notion. But hold on. Yeah. I do think it's serious because... These people around me get these things. They just happen to get oh, yeah. in, and they take it very seriously, and they get robocalls. Uh, no, I know. That's why I'm saying don't don't respond to it. You're on their mailing list. Uh, it's meant to raise uh, to raise money. No, it was sent, but by mistake to someone else and got in my mailbox. Uh, I yeah, I know. That's what. And I'm sorry, Alan. I'm sorry to cut you short, but I got to get out because it's the top of the hour. Uh, right. But those. Thanks for the call, Ellen. Uh, those are meant. 
to to raise money to get you on their uh, uh, mailing lists and so forth. Those are are scams. They are not official. They are not registered. They are not anything else other than nonsense. But there's a lot of nonsense these days. We will continue to cover the nonsense on tomorrow's broadcast. Until then, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our soundboard operator, G, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. Tweet me if you like. I am the Brad Blog, and you can send me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. All right, that's it. Until we meet again, thanks to all the callers. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.